Dallas has got a one-way street right up to the NXT Championship. And Dallas can take his time. Look at exactly. this. He's strolling in there. That was perfectly put by Oh! Well, we didn't see it, but obviously Adrian Neville freed himself. Well, so much for that strategy. Neville oh. looking to fly! That's why they call him the Jumping Jordy. Look out! Whoa! No, Neville! Oh, Neville reaching! Neville could steal it right here. He's got a finger on it. <laughs> and Dallas somehow wearing down Neville. How did Adrian Neville jump up there? I don't know. Uh -oh. He jumped up there because uh -oh. he's the man that gravity forgot. That's why. Goodness gracious. If Bo Dallas German suplex, Adrian Neville off that. Volatile oh, situation this. here on top of the ladder. Neville. Neville's desperately trying to hang on, but Bo, Bo has him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There goes the ladder, Bo Dallas in the driver's seat. Oh, oh man, again into that ladder. Gosh. Uh oh, oh. Uh oh. Oh, Bo got planted on the ladder. Oh, my oh. goodness. Neville throwing caution to the wind. Yep. This is why they call him the man that gravity forgot. No way. No Get way. Get ready to fly. Oh. Red arrow. Adrian climbing that ladder. Reaching for the NXT title. Wait a minute. Dallas at the last moment. It's a race to the top of the ladder. Yes. Yes. Neville's got it. Adrian's got the title. that make me proud to be in this industry. And it's competitors like Adrian Neville that make it all worthwhile. We are seeing a superstar born tonight here on NXT. A true champion, Adrian Neville, the new NXT champion. Wrestling fans, are you For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I am the voice of the voiceless! Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's going to be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back, folks, to another electric edition of WrestleRant Radio. It's your host with the most Bleacher Report featured columnist Graham Gison Matthews here tonight. WrestleRant Radio on EC Radio. A lot to discuss. Everything from Monday Night Raw to the rumored WrestleMania 30 card, the latest on the CM Punk situation to NXT arrival. Lots to talk about tonight here on WrestleRant Radio. But before all of all, all of that, I have a very special guest on tonight's show: the current reigning New England Heavyweight New England Championship Wrestling Heavyweight champion slick wagner brown how's it going tonight slick good man thank you for having me on the show no problem it was a mere month ago at new england championship wrestling's february show i was there live in attendance that slick wagner brown won his first necw heavyweight title in nearly 13 years a great great moment for the fans of necw here in beverly at the cove community center and of course he will be defending that championship this upcoming saturday at the march Badness event, as they call it. New NECW shows uh, are always live at the Cove Community Center here in Beverly, Massachusetts. So if you're in the area, I strongly suggest checking it out. It's a 7 p.m. bell time. Uh, tickets are 20 bucks at the door, $15 online at necw.tv, as well as on their YouTube channel. You can check them out, and you can also get 10 bucks because kids get in uh, for that price as well. But all of that aside, Slick, I'm extremely excited to have you on tonight's show to ask you a few exclusive questions I want to get the answers to. My first question to you right off the bat is, of course, that you you, you trained at Killer Kowalski's wrestling school right here in Massachusetts um, a number of years ago. And some of the most notable names to come out of Killer, Killer Kowalski's wrestling school include Triple H, the game himself, Damian Sandow, Big John Studd, a number of notable WWE names, past and present. So I just want to get your thoughts on what it was like training with Killer Kowalski as you were aspiring to become a pro wrestler. Well, it was great, man. It was uh, it's 
something that I couldn't I couldn't have you know dreamed of myself. I mean, I wasn't even uh, aware that the school was in the area because at that time the internet wasn't as big as it is now. So um, I was wrestling in high school, and uh, a buddy of mine who wrestles by the name of Bo Douglas uh, did some research. He found a school involved in. And, you know, to my surprise, it was Kowalski School, man, legendary Kowalski, like 10 minutes from my house. So, you know, it was, it was a blessing, and it was a great opportunity to train with him. It was an unbelievable experience. Still to this day, some of the best times of, of my wrestling career and my life in general. There's a lot of people out there that aspire to become pro wrestlers, and there's just some people that just aren't cut out for it. What were some of the experiences like that you went through during your time at Killer Kowalski's wrestling school, as well as some uh, obstacles that you had to overcome to get to where you are today as you were coming up in the business? Well, when I started, man, I was one of the small guys, you know. At that time, you know, guys that were under 200 pounds were still considered tiny. So um, uh, the the school was filled with, you know, a bunch of big guys, uh, guys like... Prince Albert, um, A-Train, uh, Tensai, um, uh, other big guys. You had, you had a guy uh, that looked like Psycho Sid by the name of Jed Scream. You had a guy named Brian Day uh, who was, you know, easily 290, 300 pounds. Another guy named Tim Medlini was about 250 pounds and, and just, you know, brutal. And, you know, other guys like uh, Steve King and uh, Damian Sandow was also in, in the class. Uh, John Walters, uh, Louis Ortiz, and the list goes on and on. But there's a lot of guys that were, you know, 240 pounds and up in the class. So me being under 200 pounds at the time was one of the small guys. And, you know, got, I got my ass beat. And, you know, a lot of guys my size got their asses beat. But that's how you, you told, uh, you know, who wanted it and who, who was, who was for real with what they said and, and who wasn't. Because, you know, after getting your ass beat so many, you know, day in and day out, four days a week, it takes a toll on you, and and sometimes it makes you question, you know, what you're doing, and if you really, you know, got what it takes to uh, make it, and and do anything in the wrestling wrestling game. Because the training is definitely some of the hardest part, but it's definitely not the hardest part, but it's definitely some of the toughest times. Exactly, perseverance. Uh, despite your size still coming up in the business because it's something that you love, aspiring to become a pro wrestler. Um, so a great, great story. And uh, w- what tips would you have for anyone coming up in the business today that might be on that smaller side? And even though the business has changed a lot in the last you know, 20, 30 years when it was the land of the Giants and the WWF, WWE, only even as, as, uh, as short ago as you were just talking about, just uh, a little over a decade ago, it was still that kind of WWE that they only accepted Giants on their main event scene and stuff like that. Um, not so much the case today, but it still very much is um, a case in the WWE. They only let in a certain select number of superstars of that size, but even still people are breaking the barriers with the likes of Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and people of those stature because those guys aren't giants, but they still have been um, very successful wherever they go in the world of wrestling. But I just want to get your thoughts on what any tips that you would have for anyone coming up with the business, um, regardless of their size, especially if they are on the smaller size as you were coming up in the business. It depends on on what you want to do, you know. Uh, like my 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 goal, and you know, and I think everyone's goal who decides to put their body on the line and, and what we and pro wrestling and what we do is get to the WWE. And once you get to the WWE, you want to you want to be in the main event. And once you get to the main event, you want to be champion. So, uh, like you said, you know, being on the smaller side, maybe two hundred pounds or a little under two hundred pounds or a little over two hundred pounds. Um, you can achieve success as Daniel Bryan and Sam Punk have shown. You can achieve success, but I don't know if you're going to achieve the same level of success as the guys like John Cena, The Rock, Hulk Hogan, um, Monster Man, Randy Savage, and, 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 you know, a lot of the, the, the bigger guys. Whereas back in Monster Man's day, he was considered one of the smaller guys, but in today's wrestling, he'd be a, a, a big guy. But, um, you know, um, it, there still seems to be that that glass ceiling, you know, for guys who are smaller. I mean, Sam Punk broke through and became champion. Um, uh, Daniel Bryan did the same thing, broke through and became champion. Um, but again, it just like 
guys like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and Hulk Hogan, uh, John Cena, guys like that are, are on a different level. And, you know, I don't know if maybe it, it is because, you know, their size or uh, the way the fans responded to them and that connection they have with the audience. Um, who knows? I, I don't really know. But there, there just seems to be that that difference. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You look at those guys in a, in a, in a, a different way and you'll, you have them on a different level. You know what I mean? But that doesn't yeah, take anything yeah. away from Daniel Bryan or, or CM Punk. Those guys, are, you know, I'm sure they have they have achieved beyond their wildest dreams. You know what I mean? They made mm-hmm. to the WWE, made to the top of the card. And that's a huge, huge compliment to them and, and their ability at their size. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of aspiring pro wrestlers today, people that want to break into the business, look to people like Daniel Bryan, like CM Punk, because like you just said, despite their size, have garnered a lot of success in the WWE. Um, and as you just mentioned, not everyone of the smaller stature can make it to the same level as they did, but they can definitely aspire to. But that being said, though, um, kind of a cli- kind of a cliche question, but who was your inspirational idol growing up and, and that wanted you to get into the business? Uh, was it Shawn Michaels or was it someone else on the smaller side that kind of inspired you and made you think that you could definitely make it in pro wrestling? And I was I was just um, like I, I stumbled on pro wrestling. You know, my my aunt and uncle were huge fanatics. They watched every show, and uh, they were in the living room one time. And uh, it was like shortly after I came to America. Um, they were in the living room, and they were just you know all this excitement and commotion. So I'm like, what was going on? You know, what I'm saying. So I walk in, and I uh, you know I see this uh, you know wrestling on the TV. I've never seen it before because. Uh, in Jamaica, they didn't have wrestling. There was no pro wrestling in Jamaica. So mm-hmm. um, this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. So, you know, of course, you know, on the screen, it was the first guy I saw was Ultimate Warrior. And, you know, he instantly became, like, my guy because it, it was just, he looked like he came out of a comic book. You know what I mean? He just, he was like a comic book character coming to life with the, the colors, the tassels, the face paint, the energy, and, and the physique. So, you know, immediately he was, he was my favorite guy because he was the first guy I, I ever saw on the screen. And of course, you know, there was Hulk Hogan and at this time they were starting to build, uh, their WrestleMania match. And it, it, it um, I started watching it, you know, since that moment. Um, but as far as a guy that, that, um, made me think that, you know, I could take this to the next level, um, the credit will probably go to like Shawn Michaels. And like Bret Hart and, uh, you know, Kurt Hennig and Ricky Steamboat, guys like that, you know what I mean? Uh, wrestlers, wrestlers, you know what I mean? Uh, guys that can just, you know, they were on the smaller side because back then, you know, WWE, like you said earlier, was the land of giants. Mm-hmm. So guys like, you know, those guys, they were, they were workhorses, man, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. They, were, they were changing, they were changing the game, you know? At that time, it was all about uh-huh. big guys and, and, you know, I, I watched those guys, a majority of them come in as kind of tag team wrestlers and then, you know, break out. This is like during like my teenage, young adult years. So like, you know, uh, the way I watched the show changed over time. Like when I first watched it, I was, you know, 10 or nine years old. And of course, you know, I gravitated towards the characters and, and the guys that were larger than life, like, you know, Warrior and Hogan and guys like that and then you know as i grew into my teen years and uh young adulthood i started appreciating the work of, the, of it what what guys did inside of the ring and how they got the audience to respond to what they were doing and so guys like you know kurt henning mr perfect and Shawn michaels and bret hart and ricky steamboat and awesome man randy savage guys like that became the guys that i you know i would go out of my way to, to watch and then from there, you know, when I became like in my twenties and you know mid twenties, and it became you know guys like The Rock and, and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, where you know they were characters, but they were also like larger than life. You know what I mean? So it kind of it, it was like a, a happy medium. It kind of went back to like um, characters that are larger than life, but these guys can do more than the guys before. You know what I'm saying? In the ring. Mm-hmm. Now, you've just kind of come full circle just recently, opening your very own wrestling school 
it, it is here in the Massachusetts area, isn't it? No, it's in Connecticut. It's in the Waterbury area. It's at, um, it's at Norm's Gym. It's uh, Test of Strength Pro Wrestling. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on what the motivation behind that was, why you opened it, and what message you believe you want to uh, want to relate to your students in the same way that you kind of came up in the business uh, a little over a decade ago. Man, you know, um, I was I was uh, I was a troublemaker as, as growing up. You know, what I'm saying I got into a lot of trouble in school, and um, you know, for whatever reason. I, I found, you know, sports, and it kind of, like, you know, changed my ways a little bit. I became more focused and concentrated on, you know, doing things and achieving things in, in that realm. And, and then I found I found Kowalski School Pro Wrestling, man, and, and that just that just took it just took off from there. And I was, from the moment I, I laid my head to the moment I woke up, that's all I thought about, and that's what I focused on was just wrestling. And it kept me out of trouble, you know, it kept me off the streets, and I didn't have that time where I was, you know, boredom, and boredom can do a lot of things to a young man, you know what I mean, it gets you in trouble, so it it was good for that, man, it gave me something to focus on, it gave me something, a goal to work towards, and it was, it was, it was great, I mean, a lot of kids who are, who are getting in trouble, man, they're not really bad kids, you know what I mean? It just, you know, lack supervision and and just um, something to grab their attention and their interest. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, uh, by doing the school myself, just kind of like giving back and doing like what, you know, Kowalski did for me, man, because, you know, who knows where I would be today if it wasn't for, for that school, you know what I mean? Um, so it's just my way of doing that. Maybe I can do the same thing for some kid. You know what I mean? Like me, who's, who's, uh, you know, just, um, just, you know, getting in trouble and not really, you know, focused on knowing what they want to do with their life and, and just need something to grab their attention. You know what I mean? So just, you know, keep kids off the street, give them, give them a goal, something that they can work towards and achieve and just, you know, make them feel like they can do something with themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you had the opportunity to realize your dream that you set out. Um, in the early part of your career when you wrestled for the WWE on the January 9, 2005 edition of Sunday Night Heat in a tag team match against the likes of Hurricane and Rosie, collectively known as the superheroes at the time. Um, what was that experience like, wrestling in front of a capacity WWE crowd and uh, in, in a match against two established wrestlers in the ring? Yeah, man, that, that's that's something that I, that I, a memory that I, you know, I cherish, man, because, uh, uh, everything, everything starts with a vision, and I started as a fan watching pro wrestling in my living room, and to go from that to being in, in the WWE ring and, and wrestling WWE guys that I, I watched on TV, it, it was it was great. And, you know, it was surreal, and it made me feel like like a, a sense of accomplishment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, even though I didn't achieve, you know, the ultimate goal, which is to get a contract and to travel with the WWE and, and be a part of the roster and, you know, chase different goals there, that was still one of my goals was to be in the WWE ring and wrestle in the WWE. And and it happened in, in that match, in a televised event at that, you know. Mm-hmm. And just to get in there with two good guys, like the Hurricane and, and Rosie, and, you know, uh, come close to winning that match and just, you know, showing the audience that, you know, these two guys that they don't know yet, um, can actually do something that have potential. It was, a, it was a wonderful thing, and those those audience they responded to the things that we were doing in that ring, and you know, to me, that's unbelievable. How did that opportunity come about? Um, uh, I was training at Kowalski at the time, and uh, uh, I was just I never uh, I just didn't know how to how to uh, you know go across that bridge, you know what I mean, as far as from training and wrestling, you know, local shows and shows up and down the turnpike to doing, like, dark matches and stuff like that. I didn't know how to bridge that gap. So, um, uh, the girl I was dating at the time, um, April Hunter, she um, she just said, you know, they're coming to town in a couple of weeks in Boston at the Fleet Center. Um, why don't you just, you know, Put a package together, a tape, and a, a bio, and, and just 
go over there and, and give it to somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What do you have to lose? You don't have a deal. You know, what's the nigga say is no and kick you out. And you're be in the same spot that you were before you did that. So I was like, you know what? That's, that's a good idea. That sounds about right. You know, I'm not gonna, I have nothing to lose. So, you know, I went down there, you know, I dressed to the nines and went down there after work and, uh, you know, walked in, didn't have any trouble walking, walk, walking into the building. It was, it was, it was weird. And then, um, you know, I saw Kevin Kelly. And at the time, uh, Kevin Kelly was announcing for WWE and, and, you know, he, uh, he was in charge of doing dark matches and stuff like that. And I gave him the package. And, uh, a few weeks later, he, he called, he called me and he said, you know, gave me a date and said, you know, come down to, uh, I don't remember what date it was, but he said, come down to, you know, Raw SmackDown on these dates and, you know, you'll have, you'll have your dark match. And that's how it started. And, um, you know, from then on, I kept, every time they were in the area, you know, they kept calling me and, you know, I kept going to the TV tapings and eventually led to a, you know, a TV match on Sunday Night Heat with Hurricane and Rosie. And my partner was, uh, Romeo Roselli, which is, uh, Johnny Heartbreaker. And he was, uh, he was part of Heartthrobs with, uh, one of my buddies, Antonio Thomas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's how, that's how, uh, that came about. You know, so it was, it wasn't, you know, it was a little process. But it, it was, a uh, you know, a hell of an experience. Well, let's say in a dream scenario here, you were signed by either the WWE, TNA, or Ring of Honor tomorrow. Who would be your dream opponent in each of those companies? As of, like, today's roster, I mean, by today's standards. That's a good question. Um, WWE, um, I, I would love to, to wrestle The Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to wrestle, you know, Shawn Michaels. But someone on, who's active on the roster now would probably be... John Cena or Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as TNA goes, it would, um, you know, it would most likely be, uh, you know, Gunner or, uh, not Gunner, I mean, um, Magnus mm-hmm. or, um, um, maybe Samoa Joe. You know, I wrestled Samoa Joe in 2CW on, on the, in 2CW a few years ago and we had a, you know, really good match. So, I would like to see if we can do that on TV, you know what I mean? That would be cool. Um, as far as Ring of Honor goes, um, Adam Cole and uh, Jay Lethal and Michael Elgin. But mm-hmm. I say Jay Lethal because I had, I had a super good match with Jay Lethal in, uh, in TCW mm-hmm. a few years back. Never got a chance to wrestle again. So, like, people still comment on that match today. So, you know, that's how it left a mark on, on, on the fans that was in attendance that day. So, you know, it would be a good opportunity to to try to have that kind of match again in a ring of honor ring where there's more eyes, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully your paths cross again, you know, him or Jay Lethal or Samoa Joe, whoever it may be. Um, both guys yeah. would be great opponents for you, especially all these years later, too. It would have been, uh, it would have been extremely, an extremely different environment uh, than what it would have yeah. been a number of years ago. You know, So it, w- it would be cool to see you guys clash at some point in the near future if, uh, if the stars align correctly, so to speak. But um, that being said, though, it was 13 years ago, I said this at the start of the interview, that you won your first ever NECW Heavyweight Championship. Now, at the point about a month or so ago when I first interviewed you via email, I was asking, I was asking you about your title chase and how it, would, uh, how it felt like to go after the championship 13 years after initially winning it in February of 2001. And now, two yeah. months later, it was in February, the exact same month, February of 2014, exactly 13 years later, that you won back the NECW Heavyweight Championship in a triple threat match against Sean Burke and, as you mentioned before, your friend Antonio Thomas. What was that like? I was there in the building. The reaction that you got from the people in attendance was absolutely surreal. What was it like to win back that very same title that you won 13 years ago at the start of your career? What, what has it been like to be the reigning champion over the last month or so? What was that moment like? It's it's a good feeling, man. You know, I I, I came back and and the fans, any seventy fans, have just um, made it so special. You know, the, the, just being back in any seventy ring and, and the response they gave me wherever we go has been you know amazing. Um, they're they're a big part of the reason why I, I am in the current NCWA champion, and just the response they gave me for that moment because they've been with me the whole time. 
where, you know, I've been screwed and going out to college, chasing the title, chasing the title, and, 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 you know, just not having the right opportunity to do what I did, you know, in February. But um, it was great, man. You know, I, I couldn't have envisioned it being it being better. Um, I mean, NHW has been a fun experience. It has a great locker room and, you know, hungry guys on the roster. And that's a beautiful thing, you know what I mean, to see guys who are who have been around still doing their thing and achieving success and, and guys who are, you know, who are young and, and, and hungry and, and growing. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, the entire locker room from top to bottom is great. And um, it's just, the, that was the first heavyweight title I ever won. So NHW was the first company to give me that opportunity to uh, be the face of the company. So, you know, they saw something in me early in my career that they put me, you know, in that position to achieve that kind of success. And, you know, coming back 13 years later, you know, it's, it's the same thing where that being the first heavyweight championship I won was very, very special to me because, it was, like I said, it was the first company to recognize my ability and, and to see something in me. And, you know, 13 years later, I start off the year 2014 as heavyweight champion for the very same company. And and the feeling is, is, is just as good, you know, if not better, because it says that after all these years of doing what I'm doing on the independent scene, I'm, I still manage to keep myself relevant, and, and the fans still care about me as a character. Mm-hmm. They still give me that response, and they still, you know, jump to their feet, and they're excited to see me do what I do in between those ropes. And, you know, that's that's the biggest compliment. Uh, besides, you know, my peers, that's the biggest compliment ever. Absolutely. And like you said, in the last 13 years, you've seemingly done it all wrestling for uh, countless companies. I was checking out your website a number of months ago and it listing all the website or listing all the companies that you've wrestled for over the course of your career in pro wrestling. It was just amazing to look at. And including the WWE, the one-off match you had on Heat, all of that occurring in the last 13 years, and then to come full circle and winning that NECW heavyweight title, as you mentioned, that first championship, your first taste of gold in your pro wrestling career, uh, had to be a great experience. And, of course, my final question for you before we close it out, um, you're quickly approaching your 15th year, your milestone of it being the 15th anniversary of the year that you made your pro wrestling debut. Now, you mentioned a little earlier on that it was your goal to become a WWE wrestler. I was just wondering if that is still your goal today and if there are any other goals that you have over the course of your career before you, reti- before you retire and uh, if it includes anything with your wrestling school, if, if the goal is to continue to build that brand and stuff like that. Um, I'm always you know, making goals for myself. You know, Once uh, one goal is accomplished, you set another goal and that's how you keep yourself going. Uh, definitely my ultimate goal still remains, you know, WWE. Um, obviously the, the path to the WWE is, is, you know, Ring of Honor, TNA, and, you know, WWE. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, those are like the standard paths. But as you know, all the guys that have been to WWE have had different paths. So there's no like set path. So, you know, I just, you know, that is my goal and I, and I, and I, I, I set that goal. But at the same time, I don't just keep looking at that goal. I just continue to, you know, enjoy what I'm doing, have fun. Most important for me is just to enjoy what I'm doing, especially at this stage of the game, is to enjoy what, I, what I'm doing. Definitely most important for me. And and um, just, you know, continue to travel. I've always believed that, you know, uh, spreading your wings and, and, and getting yourself out there is definitely an important thing as well. And not only is it because you get to, you know, expose yourself to different audiences, which is super important, because we're performing in front of the same audiences month after month, week after week, or whatever it is. Um, at some point, you just, you stop improving, and you stop building, you stop growing. So you, it's very important to spread yourself out and to perform in front of different audiences. And um, just just have fun and experience, man. Just wrestle as many different people as you can and wrestle as many different styles as you can. That's always been goals of mine, uh, to learn different styles and wrestle different people and just uh, constantly just challenging myself in front of different audience. Because uh, as underground wrestlers and independent wrestlers, each time we step through the curtain, 
it's it's you you start over. You have to educate those fans as to who you are and, and what you do, and that's a huge challenge. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not always getting that same response from from one audience to the next. So that's the challenge. If your your character is a good guy, you got to get that good guy response, and you got to you got to you know the people got to look at you as that that guy. And if you're a bad guy, same thing. People got to hate you, and you know they got to treat you like you know the worst thing in that building at that moment. So, you know, those are the challenges we go through. We don't have the luxury of, of uh, television. In ACW, we have television, and it's regional television, and you can see from the fans, they understand what's going on, and the majority of the fans do watch the program. So that's a good thing. And, and it, it shows on a smaller scale, like, how important television is and, and how much easier it makes everyone's job. Because when people are educated on the characters and, and, and the storylines and, and the action, it just it, it makes for uh, a more exciting a more exciting uh, atmosphere. You know what I mean? Exactly. And you can yeah. you can feel you can feel that energy in in in, in the building. You mm-hmm. know whether whether it's a small crowd or a big crowd or in between. Whenever those three things come together, character, uh, action, and storylines, and they're all good at the same time, it makes for great a great event and a great great TV. Absolutely. I started going to the NECW shows just this past October, and the uh, the first show that I went to, I didn't I didn't know many of you guys. I was just completely new to the entire company, and having gone to a lot of shows since then, I've kind of gotten invested in the storyline. So watching Sean Burke win the championship on that show, and watching him reign as champion, and watching you continue to chase for the title, and ultimately winning that championship just last month, um, it, it, it's just been a tremendous last four months for me as a fan of NECW, and I hope more people continue to check out the product through YouTube in the regional area if they live here in Beverly and whatnot, but um, definitely through YouTube if you don't live here in the area. But uh, that being said, though, it's uh, been great talking to you, Slick. You got a triple threat title match, or you got a singles match against Sean Burke for the NECW Heavyweight Championship, your first title defense since becoming champion. Um, been great yeah. talking to you, man. And uh, before we let you go, just make sure to plug your Twitter, Facebook, upcoming shows, your website, and anywhere else where the fans can find you. All right. Thanks, GM. Good talking to you, too, man. You guys can find me online at SWB for real, the number four, R E A L. Com. That's my website. You can find me on Twitter at this is SWB. Also on Facebook, just search uh, Slick Wagner Brown. Um, this weekend, I will be, like you said, at NHW on March 8th, Beverly Mass at the Cove, defending my title for the very first time against Sean Burke, former champion. The night before, I will be in Lynn, Massachusetts uh, for big time wrestling. Um, <clears throat> I about the building, but you can find it on their website, btwpro.com. Uh, these guys had uh, a tremendous weekend down south in South Carolina uh, where they drew 1,600 fans uh, plus, and in Virginia where they drew 1,500 plus. So these guys are on a roll too, man. So, you know, NECW, uh, big time wrestling, uh, chaotic wrestling, um, 2CW wrestling, which I, I go back to in two weeks. Uh, March 14th in uh, uh, Binghamton, uh, Binghamton, New York, at the Le- the Legion, which is like one of their main their main buildings, their main locations. That should be a fun, exciting show. They got AJ Styles on that show fighting Kevin Steen, and the next night we're at Scranton, PA. So those are just some exciting shows coming up with a lot of good talent, and you know myself included. And uh, they're gonna be exciting. They're gonna be campus shows. You definitely should check them out. Go to my website, swbforreal.com, and you can find out all the dates and all the details there. You heard him, folks. New England Championship Wrestling this Saturday night at a 7 p.m. bell time right here in Beverly, Massachusetts at the Cove Community Center. The show is being headlined by SWB himself, the Underground King, defending his NECW World Heavyweight Championship against the former champion Sean Burke in what looks to be a great match. And the card is set to be filled out over time, so it looks to be a great show. And you can also check out my full interview with SWB over on Bleacher Report. That was uh, published about a month ago. So, Slick, thanks for joining. It's been a great time. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. And uh, best of luck in all your future endeavors, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, GM, man. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Okay, bye.
And that was SWB, folks, right here on WrestleRant Radio. An incredible interview. Thanks again for to SWB for joining us right here on WrestleRant Radio. Great talking to him. Look forward to seeing him this Saturday. As I said before, New England Championship Wrestling. It's going to be March Badness, NECW Heavyweight title match. We've got a television title match and much, much more. The card is filling out as we speak. And as I said earlier on in the show, you can check them out at necw.tv for their full events, full matches, full title history, and everything else going on. Just check them out on YouTube as well. If you don't live here in the area, the next best thing is to check them out on YouTube. They put episodes up um, of their half-an-hour show every that airs every Thursday night right here in the Boston area. But you can check them out on YouTube every Friday and Thursday for new episodes. Great stuff. Like I said, SWB, Sean Burke, heavyweight title match this Saturday night. I will be there. Hopefully you will be too. But with all that being said, um, it's been a great week in the world of wrestling over the last few days or so. Not even, not even in the last week, just in the last 48 hours. We had the WWE Network launch last week. Don't want to get into that whole much, but, uh, cause we reviewed it a bit last week with Caleb when we had him on the show. But um, I have since purchased the network for myself as of last Friday and absolutely loving it. I don't have much time to watch it over the course of the week um, with school and work and stuff like that. I don't really have much time to check it out on my own free time. My only free time that I could check it out for is usually on the weekends. I watch some things here and there like I just watched the main event um, just a few short hours ago on the network. And speaking of such, I did live commentary during the main event right here on EC Radio. So if you want to check that out, I'll probably upload that to my website where you're probably listening to this right now. So uh, make sure to check that out. If you want to see more live commentary shows for main event or possibly even WrestleMania, who really knows? We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see on, on a, uh, April 6th on the WWE Network, no less. But if you want to see more live streams like that, live commentary shows from yours truly, just tweet me on Twitter at WrestleRant if you want to see more of those kind of shows live on right here on EC Radio in the future. But um, even so, though, going back to the case in point, going back to my original topic, the WWE Network, I checked out WrestleMania 17 this past weekend for the first time. I know, I know, it's a sin that I have yet to check it out, that I had yet to watch it until this past weekend, but I finally got around to doing it this past weekend. WrestleMania 17, highly regarded as one of the best WrestleMania events of all time. Really enjoyed watching it in its entirety on Saturday night, and really, really enjoyed it as well. It more than lived up to my expectations. I'm not going to talk about it here, but you can get my full thoughts on the show. Um, so many years later, I know it happened um, back in 2001, but you could check out my thoughts on the show 13 years later over at my YouTube channel, Graham GSM Matthews, for my full review of WrestleMania 17. But that, with all that being said, folks, um, it, the WWE Network is great, so make sure to check it out. If you haven't purchased it already, I strongly suggest doing so. It's a great thing. And uh, they have the Raw Backstage Pass on there before the show, the pre-show, after show, all that kind of stuff. I don't really watch the shows because I don't really care. I have better things to do, honestly. But um, speaking of Raw... Let's get into Raw right now. We only have a little over 20 minutes left in the show, so I don't want to break down every single match. But before we even get into the results of Raw, I just want to talk about the whole hijack Raw concept. Now, for those unfamiliar, and I'm pretty sure you are because everyone was familiar in the last few weeks or so. I'm not really sure when this started up. But a Twitter account was made for the Chicago crowd a few short weeks ago. Now, Dating back to as early as the Money in the Bank pay-per-view from 2011, Chicago has always been regarded as one of the best wrestling crowds in wrestling today. I mean, they're always electric. They're always into the action. Everyone always looks forward to a WWE show in Chicago, and this past week was no different, especially after CM Punk's departure and CM Punk being from Chicago. Everyone was looking towards March 3rd on uh, this, you know, last night in Chicago to see how they were to react to CM Punk had he not come back. And I'll get into CM Punk in just a few short moments, but a few weeks ago or last week or whenever the heck it was, a movement started on Twitter with this creation of a Twitter account for the Chicago crowd called Hijack Raw, hashtag Hijack Raw, and they were planning to turn their backs to the authority when they came out and Batista and Cena and Orton and chant same old shit and during every segment that they didn't like and cheer for CM Punk at every chance that they got. And it was just absolutely ridiculous. They posted something I saw for the first time yesterday. It probably was posted prior to this with all the rules for those in attendance. And this this Twitter account did not go unnoticed. It had about 10,000 followers and it still does right now. 
Um, I don't know if it's still going to be active going forward or what, um, because you know obviously they're done in Chicago and they won't be there for another few months until payback in June, which is over three months away. That being said, though, as soon as I saw this, it was just stupid. The whole hijack, the the whole thought of hijacking Raw was dumb. Because first of all, you paid your ticket and you have every right to chant whatever the hell you want. I don't blame you. I encourage you to chant. It's what makes the shows fun. Sitting at home watching that, it's what makes the fo- it's what makes the shows fun. If there were no chanting, if it was complete silence, that's when we that's when we as wrestling fans get pissed because it gets boring and it gets stale and there's no fun involved in wrestling. That's what wrestling's all about, having fun. And the CM Punks, the CM Punk chants were loud and proud last night, and of course because they were in Chicago. Why else? I didn't expect anything less. But the big question on this show was whether they're going to address CM Punk's departure. And they did at the start of the show, which I'll get to in a few minutes. But people were going into this thing demanding CM Punk, saying, we want Punk, and chanting CM Punk. And everyone expected them to chant CM Punk because he's from Chicago. I understand that. And after this show, last night it made sense. But going forward, I hope this does not continue. And this is coming from a very, very big CM Punk fan, and I am also disappointed that he left the WWE. But people have to understand this. He left on his own terms. He wasn't released. He wasn't fired. I know he wasn't treated all that fairly, and we can't judge CM Punk's actions until he gives his side of the story. He's been basically silent on Twitter since the day that he left the WWE on January 27, 2014, a little over a month ago. He hasn't said a word. He's hardly spoken to anyone. He hasn't responded to many texts and voice mails according to the dirt sheets and all that kind of stuff he's been basically kept out of the public eye for the most part aside from that one-off appearance at the ufc event a couple weeks ago but aside from that he hasn't talked about about the situation at all or talked at all you know that at all hasn't talked about anything so we have yet to hear cm punk's out of the story but that doesn't make it any less right um, or any less wrong i should say i don't know whatever the expression is that he walked out not on us fans. I don't want to say he walked out on us because I don't want to sound selfish. Some people are saying, oh, we walked out on us. He didn't walk out on us intentionally. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to leave because I want to intentionally screw over the fans. That's not when he left. He had nagging injuries. Um, there were, you know, These are all reports. This is all speculation until he comes out and says something from his perspective. But he really has yet to confirm or deny many of these reports. And he left on his own. So why chant CM Punk? Why chant We Want Punk, Bring Back Punk, CM Punk, and all these shows with the exception of last night because they were in Chicago, so whatever. But why chant for CM Punk if he's not going to show up? He left. And he's not going to come back anytime soon. Last night was the last chance for CM Punk to come back, and he didn't come back. There was a perfect opportunity for him to come back last night. Everyone was hoping for it. I thought I would be proven wrong because Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer over the weekend reported that CM Punk would be there. He was apparently told by a top WWE star, and I put that in quotations, that CM Punk would 100% be there, 100% confirmed. And, of course, he wasn't there, hence why I didn't get my hopes up because I didn't think he would be back in WWE that quickly. I hoped he would. I didn't get my hopes up. I thought... Um, I, I thought it'd be cool if he did show up, I would have marked the hell out, and I did mark the hell out when his music went off at the start of the show, thinking he might be there, and Paul Heyman get out, came out instead, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I didn't have any thoughts, I didn't have any expectations for Punk being on Raw, because I didn't think he would be there, so a lot of people just don't understand that, why chant for someone that's not even there, and probably more than likely will not be there for the foreseeable future. He will not be back before WrestleMania. Will he come back at WrestleMania? It's a possibility. And this whole thing is a giant, giant shoot. It's real, people. It's not a work. And if he comes back and they turn this into a storyline like they kind of did last night with Paul Heyman, then they turned it into a work. It hasn't been a work from the beginning. They removed him from everything. Everything on their website, from advertising, from the commercials. They haven't referenced him at all with the exception of last night. It's obvious that this is real. And they don't. They wouldn't go out of their way to remove him from advertising and WrestleMania with that, and all that kind of stuff with WrestleMania just a little over a month away. But that's not the biggest problem. Chanting for CM Punk, as big of a Punk fan that I am, is pointless. He's not coming back. Don't chant for someone that's not coming back in the foreseeable future. But instead, direct your chants towards the people that are being underutilized. Direct your chants toward the people that deserve the spotlight right now in the likes of Daniel Bryan, in The Shield, in Bray Wyatt. Like last weekend, Raw, we had those freaking, the well, not the boring chants, but people were chanting for some ludicrous thing last week in Green Bay on Raw during the Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt match 
match, which wasn't even that bad. And then last night we had Sheamus versus Christian, and I get that neither character is all that interesting in the moment. I understand that, but it was a well-worked match, and they didn't deserve those chants. People were chanting boring and awful and punk and all that kind of stuff, and why? You want to see something fresh? You don't want to see John Cena and Randy Orton? Okay, Randy Orton, Batista, Cena, they didn't come out until the third hour of Raw last night, people. WWE intentionally kept them off the show until that point in time. I know Batista had a brief interview backstage, but aside from that, they weren't shown on the show at all until the third hour, sometimes in, in some cases not even until the final 20 minutes of the show. So there's really nothing to complain about with them being all over the show, all over the three hours of Raw when they really weren't. They were in one or two segments over the course of the show in the last you know hour or so. So direct your chance towards the people that deserve the chance for one thing. And the whole – I mean I'm of two minds on this thing to be quite honest with you. Punk, like I said, he, has re- he had his reasons for leaving. Because obviously the speculation was that he was beat up, he was burnt out, he didn't want to face Triple H at WrestleMania, this and that, he wasn't in the main event of Mania, whatever. Punk had his reasons. I'm not saying this is all WWE's fault either, because Punk shouldn't have left when his, uh, he, he shouldn't have left before his contract expired. He should have done what he did in 2011 and, you know, stayed until his contract expired. And I'm not going to tell him what to do. We have no idea what he's going through, so I'm not going to say that I'm in the right or wrong here. But and we have no idea. We have no way of understanding what Punk is going through until he speaks himself. So it's a complete waste of time to speculate what he's going through right now until it's set in stone. But even still, though, I don't think he's going to be back. So we just have to stop supporting this. And not we. And I mean those. I direct the. I, I direct that statement towards those people that continue to chant for him and complain that he's not. That they they complain towards the WWE people. But he left. Come on, people. He left on his own. And I love CM Punk, and I want him back in the WWE. And I wouldn't at all be mad if he was inserted into the WrestleMania main event. And uh, I know he may not be deserving of it after walking out in the company just without you know mere hours before Raw in late January. But let's face it, WWE, they don't need CM Punk, but a lot of people would prefer that he was in WWE as opposed to out of the WWE. And just because... You support CM Punk, and I'm, I'm, I'm admitting he's wrong. I'm admitting he's wrong, and I'm not saying he's 100% wrong. WWE's to blame. They should have noticed this far beyond you know, months in advance that he was burned out, injured, giving him time off, and all that kind of stuff. They should have noticed this beforehand and not given him what he wanted, you know, just give him the main event of WrestleMania, but they should have given him, given him some time off or whatever, you know, until WrestleMania 30. Then he could have come back and done his match with Triple H or whoever. But, I mean, even still, though, it's, it's just completely mind-boggling to me that people would the the punk fans there's there's two types of people there's people like that understand that punk's wrong and still support him anyway that's okay you don't just because punk is you know some somewhat selfish and he is a selfish person let's face it that's who he's always been he's always been kind of a complainer in the sense that he doesn't get what he wants so he takes his ball and goes home sometimes let's face it he does that we understand that. It's been the thing for years. It's nothing new. If you've been a part of the IWC, not even you don't even have to be a part of the IWC. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to tell that CM Punk, more often than not, is not happy with his place in the company. But you don't have to stop liking CM Punk just because he did something like this. And I mean, I, I gave this rant a month and a half ago when he left. But I'm just reiterating it, reiterating it now because some people just can't get it through their thick skulls. And it's like the, the, the Justin Bieber thing from a couple months ago, um, that whole stupid BS. When he hit someone in the car and um, you know he was drunk driving and I think he almost hit somebody or something like that and he was arrested. And um, there were Bieber fans. And I mean I, you know, everyone typically drags on the Bieber fans and, and rightfully so. But there's fans that realize that what he did was wrong and continue to support him, which is fine. But there are fans that believe that everything that Justin Bieber did in that scenario was right. And he was never wrong. He's never wrong. You know what I mean? There's people that like CM Punk that are like that as well. That that CM Punk isn't in the wrong. He isn't in the wrong at all. And he very well might not be, but there's a very big chance that he is because he left before his contract expired, before WWE had any notice whatsoever. And CM Punk until we know, until we find out otherwise, he is at fault here partially. WWE is as well. 
and he's not completely 100% wrong or 100% right. So those people that continue to think he's all right and continue to chant for him and all that kind of stuff, it's just pointless. The hijack Raw thing was a colossal failure, and I was laughing my butt off last night watching Raw, and when the authority came out and Cena came out, everyone was attentive. No one chanted anything, for one thing. They chanted for maybe for CM Punk the entire night, which kind of got annoying by the end of the show. And at least the Usos got their moment of fame when they won the tag team titles. At least they didn't crap all over that. And the WWE did everything in their power to give the IWC what they wanted last night because they knew Punk wouldn't be there. So what I'm trying to say here is stop, stop chanting for CM Punk. It's annoying. It has There's no purpose in it. And the whole hijack thing of Raw last night <laughs> was a complete failure. It served no purpose. No one rioted. No one hijacked the show. Daniel Bryan mentioned it at one point, but really, what did they do that was any different from any other crowd? And I love Chicago. Don't get me wrong. I love their enthusiasm. But really, how are they different than any other crowd Then, aside from the fact they were chanting for CM Punk 90% of the show? They didn't do anything. They didn't riot. They didn't jump the barricade. They didn't do any of that stuff. And you people are paying money to be there. If you don't want to be there, if you hate the product so much, then don't watch it. People... They have a problem with the product like I do. I don't think the product's all that great at the moment, but I love wrestling. There's people that love wrestling and have a problem with the product and continue to watch. I understand that. There's people that are anti-WWE, trash it, don't enjoy it, but yet continue to watch it. So that makes no sense to me, and that's far beyond this issue. But um, the point that I'm trying to get out, the point that I'm trying to get at here is that if you really want to make a statement to the WWE, and I've seen a bunch of people say it, I'm going to say it here again, just don't pay for anything. You know what I mean? Don't watch the shows. Don't go to the live events. Don't pay for any merchandise. And if you're that big of a WWE fan that you have to resist doing that and you can't do that, you can't not go to live events, then just don't complain. You know what I mean? I mean, we all hope for it to get better. I'm hoping for it to get better as well. But the key thing is here, folks, is to make the most of it. If Batista and Orton ends up happening at WrestleMania, and obviously won't, we won't get a heel versus heel match, But you just make the most of it. Look for something on the show that's good. Like WrestleMania 29, a complete crap show. But Taker versus Punk was great. So I just look at that, enjoy that for what it was, and then you can just skip over everything else that happened on the show. So just a lot of people just don't understand right now. Like, I I purchased the WWE Network. I gave the WWE my money. So I gave them my money. I have no right to complain. I got what I wanted. And if you guys so badly want to relive the Attitude Era, then buy the network. Watch that all day. Don't even bother tuning into Raw and checking out the product that we have now. So that's my mini-slash-lengthy rant, rant on the hijack Raw scenario, that whole garbage from last night's Raw. But aside from that, though, I really enjoyed Raw last night. I thought it was a solid show from start to finish. I Like I said, we don't have much time, so I don't want to get into every single segment. But... Um, the Usos, like I said before, I said this during my main event review, and I'll say it again, the Usos defeating the New Age Outlaws and becoming the new WWE Tag Team Champions, a great win for the Usos, very, very deserving. Um, Currently thinking about writing an article about this and how the four-year journey that these guys have had in winning the tag team titles, and I thought it was beautifully built up. And I've been saying this for weeks now, and I'm not going to go back on it, and that they should have won the championships at WrestleMania, but... If they weren't going to do that, and I understand why they did the title match last night, uh, did the title change last night, was because they wanted to please the crowd. Had New Age Outlaws gone over, it could have gotten ugly. They would have been pissed for the rest of the show. And WWE did a lot of things right last night by completely owning that crowd and giving them what they wanted for the most part. But nonetheless, I am very happy that the Usos are now the WWE Tag Team Champions for the first time in their WWE career in the last four years. Since debuting four years ago, it was only a matter of time. And if they weren't going to do it at WrestleMania, then Raw in Chicago was the next best place because they gave them a great reaction upon winning the championships. So I thought that was a very good matchup, and I look forward to the Usos defending the championships in some form or fashion at WrestleMania as they deserve to. In other segments on the show, we also had Daniel Bryan confronting confronting Triple H and challenging him to a matchup like we saw last week. Triple H said no. We had Bryan versus Batista in the main event, which was fine for what it was. It started at 11 o'clock Eastern time, so we knew it wasn't going to be going long. It ended up getting like 10, 15 minutes, but it was cut out by commercial time and all that kind of BS. So I, I do look forward to Bryan versus Batista at some point, whenever it may be. It probably won't be at WrestleMania, but hopefully at some point down the line, I look forward to that. And then we had the authority closing out the show, standing tall over Daniel Bryan. And it took maybe 
five or six people to put Daniel Bryan down. I mean, it wasn't just Batista or just Orton or just Triple H. It was Stephanie, Kane, H, Batista, and Orton, basically three-fourths of evolution. So, but, so Daniel Bryan not only defeated Batista technically via disqualification, but he looks strong by having to be taken out by all of these different people, not just one person. It wasn't just Batista. It was like six or six or seven different people that came out to try to prevent Daniel Bryan from ending the show with his signature yes chant. So I, I didn't like the fact they always end on the show with Daniel Bryan getting beat up. And it isn't every show, but more often than not, Daniel Bryan gets the crap beat out of him. And it makes the payoff seem that much better when it eventually happens and he eventually beats Triple H or whoever. And I look forward to that. But I don't know. The ending wasn't all that great. Like I said, I didn't expect CM Punk to be there, so I wasn't disappointed that he didn't show up at the end of the show, even though it would have been perfect for him to run down the crowd, run through the crowd, into the ring, and take out the authority and maybe Orton. Because that's why I thought Orton was out there. And Batista was out there too, so I thought Punk was going to make an inter, you know, he was going to interfere and then knock out Batista and or Orton and then challenge for the title of WrestleMania. That's what I thought was going to happen. And the only two possibilities, the only two people that I can see possibly being added to the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania is either Brian or Punk. And I said this last week, but no one else makes sense. CM Punk uh, is obviously not happening at this point. I'd be very shocked if he returned now. It's too little, too late for that to happen. And Daniel Bryan looks to be tied up with Triple H. Now, unless they do a fatal four-way with all three members of Evolution and then Daniel Bryan for the title at WrestleMania, which also would make sense because Triple H wouldn't want to go against Batista and Orton. He doesn't really have that many issues with Bryan. It would essentially be a three-on-one handicap match. And so I don't see them going that route. But if Bryan's tied up with Triple H, and I said this last week too, but how likely is it that the stipulation to the Triple H-Daniel Bryan match will be added that if he beats H, he will go on to contend for the title later that night. Now, people, I don't think you can go into WrestleMania not knowing that Daniel Bryan will or will not contend for the championship. And if you assume that he does, then it makes the match with Triple H all that more predictable. So I think it'd be better if you just left Bryan and Triple H alone. You just have to find somebody else to put in that title match. Unless they completely scrap Triple H versus Bryan, and they do Bryan versus Batista versus Orton. But they need to go Triple H versus Bryan now because Bryan's been challenging him for the last few weeks. It would only make sense for Triple H to accept. So I don't know what they do. Sheamus wouldn't make sense. Uh, what other top faces can you add to that match that would make sense? I none, Nobody comes to mind, to be quite honest with you. So I look forward to seeing how they address that. We got a little over a month away until WrestleMania, so they have some time to decide who's going to be in that title match. Because we got two heels now. Batista turned heel on SmackDown last week, which I thought was a great segment. But uh, they have some time before they can decide on who will be in the triple threat match for the WWE Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. Now, I mentioned CM Punk quite a bit before, but I want to get into the start of Raw when the show kicked off with CM Punk's music, Cult of Personality, the first time we've heard that song since the Royal Rumble when he was taken out by Kane. And the place, of course, went absolutely berserk for CM Punk, as did I watching at home. I was marking the heck out, only to find that Paul, that Paul Heyman came out instead. The place went from huge cheers, humongous cheers, to instant boos for Paul Heyman. I thought this was brilliantly done. Now, my biggest pet peeve about this whole CM Punk situation up until Monday was that they hadn't acknowledged it. And in not acknowledging it, it only made the chance grow stronger. And now that they finally acknowledged it, there's really no point to chant for CM Punk and all that kind of stuff because they know he's gone. They made it quite clear to the people and the audience that might not know that might not know what's going on, the casual fans who hadn't been informed on this and probably just forgot that he was even there because he's still technically under contract. He just hasn't been shown since the Rumble. But um, that being said, though, they did a great job of addressing the situation with Paul Heyman talking about it and saying that CM Punk basically wasn't happy with the things that uh, that was going on in WWE and was happy with his, he wasn't happy with his current direction and stuff like that. But what I liked even more about this was that he let the CM Punk chants chime in. He didn't try to talk fast, to talk over the chants like Randy Wharton did a couple weeks ago. That's just asinine. You know people are going to chant even louder when that, kind of, when that kind of thing happens. So Paul Heyman did the right thing. And no, better, no one better than Paul Heyman, by the way. He's best friends with some CM Punk in real life, and they have an established history together on Raw, in the show, in the WWE programming. So, And he didn't bury CM Punk at all either. Despite being a heel, which was shocking, he didn't say anything negative about CM Punk. So it leads me to believe that maybe they will be aligned in some form or fashion when CM Punk eventually comes back. And he will be back at some point. Don't get me wrong. He most definitely will be back. Uh, 
definitely don't think that he won't be because he will be, trust me. Uh, whether it's in a few weeks, months, years, CM Punk will be back. They're all back um, You know, before you know it. But that being said, though, Paul Heyman, another brilliant aspect of this segment was the fact that Paul Heyman tied in CM Punk's departure to Brock Lesnar's match with The Undertaker, a match that's actually being advertised for WrestleMania. And he said that The Undertaker was the one that kind of caused this whole thing to happen because CM Punk's loss to The Undertaker was kind of the kind of created the domino effect as to why CM Punk had, you know, fell on hard times and his downfall ensued after that loss to The Undertaker last year. And you can recall CM Punk walked out on WWE shortly after WrestleMania last year. So it is evident in the storylines that it kind of was the downfall for CM Punk, you know, before he turned face and all that kind of stuff. And he turned on Paul Heyman or vice versa and all that kind of stuff. So I love the fact that kind of tied those two things together and Paul Heyman having another Paul Heyman guy against the undertaker at WrestleMania this year and saying that it is his number one goal to end the streak of The Undertaker, and he's going to have Brock Lesnar do it for him. Brock Lesnar cut a surprisingly good promo when he came out to a good reaction from the Chicago, from the Chicago crowd before being interrupted by Mark Henry, who he once again dominated for the third time in the last two or three months, which is pretty funny. I feel bad for Mark Henry, but being the veteran he is, it's not like he was uh, you know, Daniel Bryan or something. It could have been much worse. And it put heat back on Brock Lesnar after he was manhandled by The Undertaker last week, who wasn't on the show this week. The Undertaker, that is. So I don't know if he'll be on next week. I assume he will be. Um, Hulk Hogan will be on next week, so I look forward to that. He's a WrestleMania announcement coming next week, so I look forward to that. But that whole opening segment was just one huge highlight for me. The Usos winning the tag team titles was another huge highlight. Um, The main event match between Bryan and Batista was good. We also had a few other good things coming out of the show. We also had Dolph Ziggler picking up a victory. Aaron Paul was short and sweet in his role on the show. He didn't overstay his welcome, and a lot of people enjoy Aaron Paul. And he's probably one of the very few guest hosts on Raw that wasn't completely booed out of the building. So that being said, though, overall, I really enjoyed Raw. I thought it was a strong show and probably the best episode of Raw of 2014 to date. So I look forward to what they do on the road to WrestleMania. We only have a few shows. We have only have a few more shows left until WrestleMania, with only one match basically confirmed for the show, which could still change the title match. And then we also have Undertaker versus uh, Lesnar as well. But aside from that, we don't have any matches confirmed for WrestleMania. So I look forward to what route WWE will take going into WrestleMania on March on April sixth. Excuse me. So with all that being said. Um, I didn't get to a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. I kind of wanted to mention NXT Arrival, which was awesome last week, by the way. If you didn't check it out, I think it's airing live right now. No, I think it just ended, actually, on the WWE Network. But you can always go back. If you have the WWE Network, you can always check it out. Um, Just a great, 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 great show. I look forward to watching... uh, Not Impact. Uh, I look forward to watching NXT. And speaking of Impact, I watched it the next day at, like, 2 in the morning. On, like, Saturday morning at, like, 2 in the morning. Because <laughs> um, I was watching NXT Arrival on Thursday night in Superstars. So with the WWE Network, I'll be watching those things on, an, on a regular basis. I don't know what that means for my TNA viewing. If I'll continue to watch it on Fridays and not live, we'll have to wait and see. But if you have the network and you have, if you aren't already watching NXT, check out Arrival and check out every other episode of NXT coming up. It's great stuff and sometimes... Uh, better than Raw, which is uh, that, that's a foregone conclusion because uh, most times NXT is better than the WWE product is at the moment. But even so, though, we got much more to talk about next week with Raw as we continue on the road to WrestleMania. And this is WrestleRant Radio, folks. You can listen live every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central Time. Check out every archived edition of the show over at nextererawrestling.weebly.com backslash archive, which where this episode will be uh, found as well, as well as my review, my live review of main event. As I said before, if you want to see more live commentary shows during main event or possibly even WrestleMania down the line, I'm also looking to work with uh, Jacob, who was on the show a few weeks ago, to do commentary during old pay-per-views, probably a WrestleMania or a very bad pay-per-view, provide a funny commentary on it. I know Cole Cabana does something similar to that. So look out for that in the incoming future. I'm looking forward to doing that with Jacob at some point in the next few weeks. Um, And once again, thanks to SWB, Slick Wagner Brown, for his time on today's show. And as I said before, I'll continue to plug it. NECW this Saturday night, 
7 p.m. bell time right here, Beverly, Massachusetts, at the Cove Community Center, March Badness. Uh, we got a title match for the NECW title, Sean Burke versus Slick Wagner Brown, the current champion. It's going to be great, and a whole bunch of other matches, which I'm very much looking forward to, including Antonio the Promise Thomas, who was a guest on last week's show, uh, or last month's show. Uh, against Genesis, and we got a whole bunch of other matches set up for NACW this Saturday, so I strongly suggest checking that out. Uh, you know, watch it on YouTube or check it out if you are here in the area on Endicott Campus in Beverly, Massachusetts, whatever. Make sure to check this out. Uh, check out NACW this Saturday night, 7 p.m., right here at the Cove Community Center at Beverly, Mass. And, of course, as far as my social links, you guys can follow me on Twitter at WrestleRant, like my official Facebook page, at Graham Gisson Matthews. Find me on YouTube as well, at Graham Gisson Matthews. Search that up. You can find my reviews, uh, my weekly Monday mailbag videos by the name of hashtag AskGSM, my review of WrestleMania 17, and much, much more. And you can also check out my Bleach Report articles as well. So with all that being said, guys, thanks for listening to this week's show, and I'll catch you next week. This is Graham Gisson Matthews, signing out.